Artist Jack Dawson once painted a picture, a rather insightful picture, but it has an unexpected title. It's against the backdrop of a dark sky, and the painting depicts this huge waterfall with torrents of water crashing down against the jagged rocks below. The artist titled the painting, Peace. But if you look closely at the picture, what you'll see is it seems anything but peaceful, but down there in the corner, you'll notice a small bird and the bird sitting in a nest, totally unconcerned and oblivious to all of the storm and water that's going all around it. Wouldn't it be nice to, in the turbulent, chaotic times we live in, wouldn't it be nice to have peaceful moments, have times of peace? The Old Testament character Job longed for peace. He said, I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. Have you ever prayed for peace in a world with increasing confusion and chaos? King David did. He prayed in Psalm 4, verse 8, I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Prophet Isaiah longed for peace. He declared in Isaiah 26, 3, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Over 260 times in your Bible, this word peace appears. Passages like Leviticus 26.6 where the Lord promised the children of Israel, I will grant peace in the land and you will lie down and no one will make you afraid. And I think that while we Christians believe that this is true, I tell you, when we look at the world around us, it just doesn't seem like there's an ever-increasing sense of peace. It feels more, more like powerlessness and discouragement and angst. It's like our lives are being shoved along by forces beyond our control. And it's challenging. In fact, it may be just impossible to make sense of current events, overcome detrimental habits, deal with turbulent relationships, and overcome financial fears. It may seem to be impossible in the midst of all the other things going on in the political, cultural, and spiritual realm, to even imagine a peaceful time where your heart's at rest and peace and all is good. How we need to be reminded of the words of Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen. He said, All sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm, and nothing, Nothing is too hard for you. Our Heavenly Father has an amazing and bountiful supply of, of power and energy and love that He wants to share with us. The Apostle Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you and the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead 
and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So with that reminder, I want us to consider how you and I can team up with our Heavenly Father and learn how to live peaceful lives in chaotic times. And first we need to think about why we need God's help in this area to begin with. Sometimes I think we think we don't need it. But if you live very long in life, you know that you do. I read of a story of a fellow that was walking through a graveyard in the middle of the night. I guess he'd been out partying or whatever, but he was taking a shortcut through the graveyard. And apparently they had dug a grave, a pretty good-sized grave. And uh, he did not... Uh, know that it was there, and as he's moving along in the darkness, he fell into the grave. And this upset him quite a bit, and he tried to get out of the grave. He couldn't do it. He couldn't jump up high enough. There's no way that he could climb up out of it. He, he was just in a mess. And so finally he just gave up and sat down on one end of the grave and leaned back against the wall. Wasn't too long after that, though, that somebody else was taking a shortcut through the graveyard probably somebody who'd been at the same party he had. And he stumbled into the grave and fell on the other end of it and just was so upset. And he was just talking to himself and saying words he probably shouldn't say. And he was trying to climb and get up out of this corner at the other end of the grave and making all this noise. And he heard this voice said, you can't get out. But he did. <laughs> He got out. No doubt we have all experienced storms and daily irritations and health concerns and irritable co-workers and strong-willed children. And I could go on and on and on. And all of these can rob you of your peace. So how do you, how do you react? How does a Christian handle this when life throws us a, a real curveball here? Part of the problem is I think we have some misconceptions about what, what peace really is. It's not just avoiding problems. Having peace is not just ignoring some issue in your life and pretending it doesn't exist. It is responding to life situations with God's energy and strength and doing it from God's perspective, not our human energy. We don't have enough of that, if any. And there's at least two times when we humans come up so, really short and really, really need God's help. The first is here. We need God's power to get started sometimes. It's easy to come to church. It's easy to go home. And then you begin to think, how do we apply all this? How do we make the teachings of God's Word take it out of the theological context and move it into the practical realm? How do we pull that off? Some of us just have a hard time getting started. I think the word procrastination comes to mind which will never lead you to peace, by the way. The Apostle Paul understood this, and he says in Romans 7, 18, he said, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. Here's why. For he says, I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. All of us are called upon at different stages of life to perform tasks and to deal with obstacles and to overcome problems and to and things that require time and energy and effort and all these things. You're, you're, you're familiar with this. 
Sometimes to come in here, this is not a day of rest for us. We're just kind of trying to recover from the week behind us. And we are called upon as believers to do what we do in this matter of, of uh, living life, but we do it from a peaceful perspective. We need to be calm. We need to be uh, confident that our Lord Jesus Christ is not abandoning us. We need to trust in God's power. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purposes. And He never asks you and me to do anything that He's not going to give us the strength and grace and power to pull it off. He will never lead you where His grace cannot sustain you. And the Apostle Paul reminds us that God delights in using the unexpected things, the weak things, the foolish things of this world. Why? 2 Corinthians 3, 5 tells us why. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. Now here's the passage. This is chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure. Hear this. We have this treasure in, in the, the jars of clay, the flesh that we live in, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. You and I need God's power to get started. And then secondly, we need God's power to keep going once we do get started. Psalm 6 verse 2 says, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am faint. Oh Lord, heal me, for my bones are in agony. My soul, without your mind, will, and emotions, is all in, in anguish. And for a lot of us, that, that could be your morning verse when you get up every morning. We need God's power to perform our earthly tasks, and then we also need His power to persist. And don't miss this. Our ability to remain peaceful and calm is in either, in either one of these is totally based on God's power and energy, not ours. That's the Apostle Paul says in Colossians 1.29, To this end I labor, struggling with all His energy, which so powerfully works. And me. So we find ourselves too tired to care and unsure whether it's worth it all. And when that happens, what are you going to do? Well, we trust God to give us the power to persist. Listen to Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31. Do you not know, the prophet says, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow weary. He will not grow tired. And his understanding, no one can fathom. What's he do? He gives strength to the weary, and he increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, and they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not be faint. Now, I need you to understand this principle as we go on. Here it is. Our assets, our greatest assets as believers are spiritual, not mental, not emotional, not physical. So with that foundation, I want to help you kind of see how we tap into this spiritual power to help us deal with all the, the, the chaos that you may have brought some with you here today, and it's on your mind right now. Regardless, 
of what's happening in your world, there are four steps to experiencing God's peace and His power and His presence, moment by moment in your daily life. Okay, are you up for that? I never get used to that voice from above, but I'm glad you're up there, David. I appreciate it. Here's the first one. You got to admit your lack of power and peace. You got to just get up in front with God and say, God, I don't, I don't have it. I'm not peaceful. I don't have any sense of energy. I don't know what to do. We admit we're powerless. We confess that we don't manage things very well sometimes in our world. Our problems begin when we think we got it all together, when we think we can do all things. And then if Christ is a part of that, then you can. But if it's just you and I in the flesh, it's not going to happen. We think we can just keep on adding more and more and more stress as if we're unstoppable. And yet all you ever get is more tension, more chaos. There came a time in the life of the Apostle Paul like this. Listen to what he discovered in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 through 10. Powerful truth here. He said, the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And this is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and in difficulties. Why? Because when I'm weak, then that's when I become strong. That's when I have strength. Now, that does not make sense logically to most people of this world. But we're talking about a message given to people who this world is not our home. It's a message to Christians. It's a message to God's people. So the starting point here is just humbling ourselves and admitting the truth about this reality. You know, many times I think as I prepare to preach, I know Nick does this too, and you're thinking, what in the world am I doing? What? Who am I to instruct? Who am I to counsel? Who am I to challenge these people? I mean, I don't, I don't what do you have to offer? But when you realize the privilege that you have as a minister of the gospel to communicate God's news and good news and all Jesus has done, then how he, other people, he's the source of the message. He's the one that produces conviction. No preacher ever does that. Jesus is the source of our power. He is the one that makes these tasks more manageable in life. That's step one. You and I have to admit our lack of power and peace. Then step two, then we believe by faith. This is where you put your faith into action. Listen to this incredible verse. It's in Mark chapter 9, verse 23. He says, Jesus says this, Everything is possible to him who believes. Seven words. I mean, do you believe that? You see, believe is the only requirement. Matthew 9, 29 keeps it simpler. According to your faith, will it be done to you? In other words, you and I get to choose how much God blesses our lives, how much of his peace is produced in and through us to others. You and I determine the amount of God's power available for you and me to face all this craziness. The key to personal power is faith. 
Now, let me ask you a question. What is it that you're expecting God to do in your life in this coming week? He's going to do whatever you expect Him to do by faith. So step one, you admit, Lord, I need help with this. I'm not peaceful. I'm being overwhelmed by the craziness. You know, then this step two is you believe God's going to help you. According to your faith, it will be done to you. Hmm. Believe God a little, you get little results. Since God has unlimited power, you should never limit your expectations. And the key is believing Him a lot that gets lots of results because faith is the secret. Now, when we admit that we have no peace in areas of our life, whatever they are, and then we tell God that we believe that He will help us, then we go to step three. We, we speak in faith. We speak in faith. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13, the Apostle Paul says, With that same spirit of faith we also believe, and we therefore speak. We communicate it. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us. We, you know, we, we have to change the way we talk about things. If, if you've been around somebody where everything is negative, they talk about. They are just negative speech. They don't have anything good to say about anything. Nothing's positive. As opposed to someone that that's, is optimistic and, and kind of, yeah, we can do this, you know. Now, from a human standpoint, we can't just say rah, rah, rah and get it done. But with as a human, empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, then we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And we need to announce that more often, like stating a goal, which is really accurate in a sense because goals, really, you know what they are? They're statements of faith. When you say you believe God wants you to accomplish this or that, then you're speaking in a sense, in faith. And James tells us that our tongues control our lives, which is why, hear me clearly, because this is something that so many of us have trouble with. When we say negative things about ourselves and about everybody, we're so pessimistic. Our speech is just down, 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 and just drives everybody around us crazy. This is so dangerous to your spiritual peace of mind. What are you saying about your finances? What are you saying about your spouse? What are you saying about your job? What are you saying about your health? What are you saying about your country? What comes out of your mouth? The abundance of the heart, the Bible says, then the mouth speaks. And if that's all you got in your heart, then that's going to hinder you immensely from experiencing the peace of Christ that passes all understanding. So if we want to experience God's peace in chaotic times, we admit our lack of faith and peace and power, we admit and believe in faith. We speak in truth and faith. And then step four, we act in faith. See, when you and I need God's help living a peaceful life in a chaotic world, it needs to be carried out by stepping out in advance in faith. You know what that means? That means you're stepping out in advance before the power really is released. It means you have confidence that God, God wants you to take an action of faith before you feel anything, or otherwise it would never be called faith. Failure to practice this principle is what cuts so much of God's power off in our lives. 
You act the way you need to be and watch the power come and move forward regardless of how you feel. Feelings cause so many people to miss out on God's activity. When Joshua and the Israelites finally got to the promised land after a long, long trip, they could see it, but they couldn't get to it because the Jordan River was in the way and it was a flood, flood stage, as we're going to see in Joshua 3, 15 and 16. It says, Now the Jordan was a flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. They had to step out in advance. God did not make the water stop flowing first. He waited for them to take the first step, and he still waits for us today. And when you find yourself facing uncertainty and turbulent times and you have no peace because of the chaos of this broken world, that's when you tell God about it, have a talk with him, tell him you're short. On power. You don't have it. You can't step out. You, your convictions are not as strong. As you, your confidence is not there where you need it. And you want to speak and act. I need to speak and act. You and all of us need to speak and act as if we already have that power and peace. And God will respond. He'll give you what you need. He provides a shelter for you in the midst of the chaos. According to the Associated Press, in June of 1997, an employee at a Massachusetts store found a $20 bill in the restroom with a note folded inside of it. The note said, help, kidnapped, call the highway patrol. On the other side, it listed two Oklahoma phone numbers. My Ford is a van, it's cream and blue Oklahoma which I don't understand that, but they were, I, they were writing because they were scared. It didn't make any sense. But anyway, you got the picture. So the police notified, and they determined that the name of the couple from the registration information they had, and uh, they put out an all-points bulletin. The, the, they were Floyd and Rita Rupp were their names. The media even published photos and descriptions of the missing couple. And the two daughters of the couple sat anxiously by their phones, waiting to hear the news as the police searched. It lasted for 24 hours. Then a phone call was received at the office where Mr. Rupp worked. The office manager heard a familiar voice saying, I'm sitting here enjoying the view of the ocean. And it was none other than the missing man. You have no idea what's going on, do you, said the office manager. No, he didn't. But when he found out, he and his wife were quite embarrassed. It turned out his wife had been feeling insecure about the drive back to Oklahoma, which she would be making alone. And she had written the kidnap note and kept it in her purse in case she needed it. It had accidentally fallen out of her purse in the restroom of the gas station. <laughs> You see, when our fears and our elaborate efforts to find security, when they, they're brought out into the open, what once terrified us can be really kind of silly. The basis for a strong sense of security is a deep trust in God. 
Perhaps this morning you came to church lacking that. Perhaps this morning the storms of life have been beating up on you pretty good. And if so, there's peace for you. The kind of peace that passes all understanding, but it's only available through Jesus, Jesus Christ our Lord. He alone will provide what you need to live a peaceful life in a chaotic and crazy world. Heavenly Father, thank you for reminding us yet again on this first day of the week. That's our regular time to be here. We thank you for providing our church and, and opportunities to worship. And Lord, I just appreciate so much that you, you bring people to meet with you at a point of their need. You invite people to come forward to you at the place that the juncture of need is there. And so, Father, we thank you that this message was not accidental and it was tailor-made from your spirit to the heart of the preacher, to the podium, to the audience, through the microphones, just so that there would be individuals here that needed to hear this because they're not living peaceful lives. They're having some challenges. Father, we know, you know what it's like. Even your son, Jesus Christ, faced turbulent moments as he carried out your will. And so, Father, we just, you know, Jesus is our model and he's our ideal. Help us to respond as he did, even to the very end as they were crucifying him. He was still in composed and in, in control, knowing that what he did and what he would do in the future was right in line with your will, and you gave him the strength and the power and the conviction and encouragement, everything that he needed. And he still gave, makes that offer to us today. So, Father, my prayer is that no one will leave here today without recognizing they have a hope that is greater than anything this world can offer. And we love you, Father. We thank you so much. And we pray today that you will be with us as we go back out into this world and deal with that which comes. And we do it in grace and faith and confidence and assurance that you will never lead us anywhere that your grace will not sustain us. In Christ's name we thank you. Amen.